I would almost change the word teach there at the very beginning. The synod rejects the errors of those, I would use the word charge, who charge that having the doctrine of certainty, of perseverance, and of salvation undermines pursuit of God. That's their charge. If you believe that you're saved by Jesus Christ, if you believe that he who's begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ, if you believe that you, uh, you will persevere, or I should say that God will persevere for you, then you're going to be tempted to just say, so I can just live like the world. I don't have to pray. I don't have to walk in holiness. I don't have to follow Jesus. That's, that doctrine of the perseverance of the saints undermines your motivation to love Jesus. That's what they're saying. That's the charge. And notice at the very end, on the contrary, it is praiseworthy to doubt. What? What, what are you saying? It's better that I don't believe than that I believe. Praiseworthy, the unbeliever is to be praised, is what they're saying. Is that what the Bible teaches? Has, does God say, it is better for you to be a doubter than to be a believer? Does that sound right? To me, it sounds like someone is taking their nails and running down the chalkboard, right? It's like, ah, this is awful. I know the motivation. Is it just because these were evil people, these, these pastors who wanted to teach these things? No. What they saw was a lack of pursuit of God. And so they blamed it on this doctrine. They wanted to correct it. It's kind of like if you've ever studied Pelagius, the monk Pelagius, back at the time of Augustine, there in Rome. He went to Rome and he saw all this wickedness among Christians. And so he rejected grace and said, you need to work. You need to do in order to be saved. Because look at all the, the fruit of the wicked fruit. And so what is the response is? Notice again. Well, here's another way they said it. The doc this doctrine makes men careless and profane. It is an immoral doctrine. It leads necessarily and inevitably to carelessness and wickedness. Uh, and that one word there is a cause of indolence. When was the last time you used the word indolence? Have you ever used the word indolence? That word just goes, whew, right? Here's a good way to translate it. Literally, it it's a cause for, it's a pillow for the flesh. A pillow for the flesh supports and encourages the flesh. And so again, their argument is, it is better to doubt. Uh, one author writes the following, the Arminian taught that it is praiseworthy to doubt concerning the certainty of perseverance and salvation. One could as well say it is praiseworthy to doubt concerning our, our perseverance and our salvation. For if you doubt concerning certainty, you have no certainty at all, but only doubt. This was indeed the Arminian position. The Christian must and be 
and must be kept in a continual state of doubt. And that doubt must be the spur, the whip, the threat that scares him into a godly and moral life, that compels him to pray and to engage in other holy exercises. Only when one continually doubts and remains uncertain of his final salvation will there be any true morality. Only when the longed-for prize is kept just beyond his grasp will the Christian keep on pursuing that prize and strive to attain to the goal. Hence, all assurance must be frowned upon. And instead, that Christian who always is in doubt is to be lauded as a spiritually healthy Christian. Such is the Arminian position. What do you think of that? Does your heart say amen? I need to doubt God's grace. I need to doubt my abilities, my faith. I, I, to me, it's more than I reject. I abhor this kind of thinking. Does the Bible abhor this kind of thinking? Well, look what the answer is. The answer is Scripture. Directly. Beloved, now we are children of God. If I'm a child of God, do I have confidence that my Father, who art in heaven, will take care of me? Do I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and everything? If I'm his son, I'm his daughter, if I'm a child of God, if that's what God calls me, if I can say, Abba, Father, to God, why would I doubt him? Yeah, I know. I look at my own faith. My faith is like sinking sand. Yeah, if it's all about me and it's me who saves me, then yeah, the Arminian is correct. Woe is me. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Salvation is of the Lord. Very good. Salvation is of the Lord. So he goes on to say, and yet, and it is not yet manifest what we shall be. In other words, we're still dealing with sin in the members and the flesh and the world and all of this. But we know that if he is manifested, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone that has this hope set on him purifies himself. Notice that. So if my focus and my hope is on Jesus Christ, that will purify me. Why? Because I want to follow him. He's my shepherd, which we're going to talk about. He's my savior. He's the love of my life. Right? It's not your spouse, for those that are married, that is the ultimate love of your life, but Jesus, is it not? He laid down his life for you. Yeah, you're called to love your spouse, but number one, Jesus is the love of your life. Is he just up in heaven doing nothing, just waiting to be sent back? as some Christians teach? Well, no. He's ruling. He's praying. He's caring for us. And I like what, how they ended. Well, look at the example of the saints in the Old and New Testament. I love how they said the saints. Old Testament believers in Jesus Christ in the Old Testament are saints as well as us. Set apart from the world. That's what the word saint means. Paul, when he writes to the losers in Corinth, calls them saints. 
and then corrects them in their errors. Old and New Testament saints were constant in prayer and other exercises of godliness. So this teaching, this charge, is an offense to God, and we reject it. Amen? Amen.